0: Welcome to This Week Explained. I'm Tiana, and I'm joined by my co-host, Kervin. There has been yet another week of global news, which means there's another episode of our humble little podcast with all of the intelligence insights that you're looking for. But first of all, Kervin, you recently had a conversation with Swedish intelligence professor Tony Ingeson. How did that go?
1: It was absolutely amazing. Um, He's just got... Of course it was. Yeah, and he's got so much intelligence knowledge. Um, we do a lot of talking about uh, Soviet intelligence history. He's, he's got a background in Soviet intelligence history. You're not going to want to skip this episode. Uh, that's going to come out July 2nd. That's as we're recording. That's this Sunday. Um, but the, the whole reason I wanted to talk to him is because of his research into using intelligence analysis to defeat cancer. What? Yeah, he's got a peer-reviewed paper coming out pretty soon and it's just that's just really incredible what you can use intelligence analysis for
0: wow that's incredible that sounds like a very very thought-provoking episode i'm sure you found the perfect clip for us so are you ready to play that now
1: yeah and i won't do what i've done a few times which is not set the clip up and then you're (laughs) just listening to somebody talk and you have no idea yeah, so
0: I that, but yeah. I
1: was like,
0: maybe he just is tired.
1: Well, that's true too. Two things can be correct at the same time. Okay, um, just
0: backing you because yeah. you know, uh,
1: which I appreciate. Support. I, I love you so much. Um, I don't think we say that on this podcast too much. I don't.
0: We don't at all. But I love you too.
1: And so, if my wife's listening, stop before this
0: (laughs) (laughs) make sure she Uh, you should warn her
1: she doesn't listen to this
0: give her the time stamp and tell her
1: cut that out um no but to set the clip up i asked about uh you know what how this the swedes are seeing russia right now and how they feel about russia's presence along their borders um and so here is the clip from his answer
2: yeah i think uh to some extent, I think it doesn't need to be highlighted uh, that much because the threat from from Russia is is kind of obvious to to most people. So you don't have to remind people of it because it's always at the back of people's minds. I think, um, and it has been for such a long time. I mean, we a lot of people forget, but even here, ironically, but uh, for for quite quite a long time, Sweden was a very militarized country. Uh, Kind of a, a bit like Israel uh, in, this, in, the, in the 60s and 70s during that that sense, but not quite, not not that far. But we had, I mean, uh, we had conscription, uh, which we still do. Uh, we had, it was suspended for a while, but it was reintroduced again. Uh, we had also, we had pretty significant spending on, on, on the armed forces. Uh, I mean, we had uh, a pretty significant air force. Uh, at one point, our air force was, I think, like... Uh,
1: For the ones who get it done. Do you love it?
0: I couldn't stop smiling. But
1: <laughs> <laughs> probably
0: because I just love Sweden so much.
1: Yeah.
0: But I do want to listen to this episode. It sounds really, really, really interesting. I didn't know that it was possible to perhaps cure cancer with the use of AI. That's incredible. Yeah, it's,
1: it's going to, we get and in, and also, into it. Um, I don't know a lot. Yeah. Obviously, I'm definitely not an oncologist. I have no medical background, Um, so unfortunately, I didn't get to to ask you know maybe some of the medical questions. Yes, that, that right. but he also wouldn't have been able to answer that because he is a professor of intelligence analysis. Right. He says yeah. at the beginning he doesn't know that kind of stuff. But yes, it's an incredible episode. I can't wait to to share it with everyone.
0: And then also his background in Soviet intelligence history is also very pertinent to what's going on right now. So
1: yes, and he it's
0: a perfect episode. If you haven't listened to any episode of Insightful Inquiries, it's an excellent episode to get started. Cut your yep. teeth on it
1: going to be good audio he's a podcaster as well so his mic is very good
0: okay cool well that is awesome cannot wait to hear it july 2nd guys um let's get into what is on the agenda this week.
1: all right so a little bit different the rundown's gonna be a little different this week
0: uh, we're not gonna give you an itemized list of what we're going through
1: no because we we are still unpacking what happened over the past weekend uh, with what was originally an armed mutiny um that turned to a protest there were some great memes that said it's a prank it's a prank yeah which which was hilarious um and it, but it was very short lived not what happened was hilarious the memes are hilarious yeah um so i want to i want to get into all of the speculation i want to get into who knew what 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 the different geopolitical players are doing Uh, Maybe how long this had been planned, all of that stuff so that we can do a breakdown. Uh, We're going to talk like broader geopolitical implications of this armed mutiny, this possible coup, um, and then how that's going to affect maybe Russian-Chinese relations and Russian-U.S. relations.
0: All right. Well, where do you want to
1: start? Let's just start with the quick summary. Uh, for those that may have been living under a rock and have no idea what we're talking about, congratulations to you for not <laughs> knowing. Because um, it was a wild weekend it was, for us. Especially. It
0: was fun. It was well, fun. Not, not, the stuff that was happening was not fun. Right. It a fun weekend.
1: Sorry. We did. We, I did not. We were with friends and family over the yeah. weekend. Um, and so all of this led to quite a few various theories on what was going on. Um, but let's get into what we were talking about. Right. It's the armed mutiny led by Wagner boss Yevgeny Prigochin. Um That lasted just about 24 hours before he agreed to stop the march and agreed to go to Belarus. Now, um, since the beginning, there has always been this infighting between the Wagner group and Russia's Ministry of Defense. And that's particularly over the war in Ukraine. So you have elite Wagner Group forces, and then you have the Russian Ministry of Defense that doesn't control those forces. right? So the Wagner Group accused the Ministry of Defense of deliberately withholding sufficient ammunition. Um, and then before the, what happened over the weekend, tensions escalated when a missile strike allegedly hit a Wagner base camp. Um, after that happened, Prigozhin launched what some described as an armed mutiny. He described it as... Um, as a protest or a march on the city. But uh, during the entire thing, it it was clear that this was against the military leadership in Russia because he did not criticize President Putin throughout the whole thing. Oh. He didn't even criticize the Russian government directly. He just marched on Moscow, which seems to oh. me like a criticism. <laughs>
0: yeah, it, yeah it seems like he has, you know, some bones to pick. Right. I mean, that's what I thought the implication was, but obviously I didn't really, well, like you, I didn't analyze everything to the point to recognize that he didn't actually criticize President Putin or the Russian government. I didn't make that connection.
1: Yeah, and aside from it happened, the tragedy, you know, there were a few Russian military members that were killed, but from what I could tell, no civilians were killed or anything like that. So... It's reflecting on it, I can say that it was it was such a an interesting time to be with friends and family and they see the background of how we do things in the company.
0: Oh yeah.
1: And we got a lot of remarks on that of how it was like, Oh, that's how this you know, <laughs> that's how this is done. It was like, yeah, with a little less alcohol and a little more conversation.
0: Yeah. Less alcohol, less carbs. Yeah. There's not usually bowls of pasta.
1: Oh involved. such great pasta. But but, um so getting back to, to what happened after uh after the Wagner group got really close to Moscow, Putin addressed the nation in order to assert his control. He had to show that he's still the, the leader of Russia. And he did condemn the actions of the Wagner group.
0: So what is your assessment? Was this a protest or was it, in fact, an attempted coup?
1: Yeah. So most, I think, her describing it as an attempted coup. Uh, but it's not a it's not necessarily a traditional coup, because um, like I said, Pryochin was very careful not to criticize President Putin or the Russian government. Uh, if you're doing a traditional coup, you're going to go straight for the top.
0: Right, 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 right.
1: Yeah, that's. So in my assessment, and this is not so, so Prigozhin owns, he's the boss of the Wagner group, whatever he says goes. So you think of it like in, in Russia, what Putin says goes same for the Wagner group with Prigochin. Um And so what he was most likely attempting to do was topple Russia's military leadership. I mean, he called out various officers within the military, uh, the minister of defense, uh, people within the FSB. Um, So it was really just trying to get to that Russian military leadership, not the Kremlin and not Putin. Uh, It is important to note that an armed insurrection by a private Russian army, no matter what he says, it does not reflect well on Putin. Um, It's why he had to go on national Russian television and make a public address to the the nation over the weekend. He didn't wait until Monday or Tuesday to try that.
0: So how exactly has president putin responded to this
1: well and then we talked about the statement he made originally he called the event a uh quote criminal escapade quote unquote that and then um then he called it an armed mutiny and that's what a lot of people are calling it now that's the last thing putin called it um he did not directly acknowledge their, the wagner group's actions as a coup attempt so that's kind of saved some people from a, a lot of violence he did emphasize that they do represent a serious threat to Russia's security and sovereignty, and that's why they're in Belarus right now. Now, his original speech, like I said, aimed to project that uh, there's this image of he's in control of the situation. He's going to assert, Putin is going to assert his authority as president and commander-in-chief of Russia.
0: What do you mean his original
1: speech? The one he made over the weekends, because he made another one on, uh, on Monday? Monday.
0: Yeah. Okay, okay. So how might this situation affect the war in Ukraine?
1: Yeah, that's, a, that's an excellent question. We talked about, if you remember, we talked about this for hours <laughs> over the weekend. Yes,
0: I remember. Okay. Um, Literally last week.
1: And this was one of the main thoughts we had. How does this affect the Ukrainian counteroffensive? How does this affect the war in Ukraine? What is Ukraine going to do? And initially they decided to stand by and watch this play out. And we both, you and I both kind of thought that was odd. Why would they wait, you know? They they really need to try to capitalize on this and go after the Russian military who's being pulled in all kinds of different directions. But um, the focus of it, and, and I've talked about this a lot, that the counteroffensive is not going well right now in Ukraine. And so it was the perfect opportunity to get the counteroffensive in the right direction. But uh, Ukrainian officials... What they what I think they should have done is viewed the recent events as a distraction and then emphasized the need to stay focused on their military objectives. They didn't do that. They kind of just sat back and waited until you know after Prigozhin retreated and, and left for Belarus. Um, that's not what happened. If I was a military analyst, I would have told them if I was their military analyst, I would have told them ramp up the, the counteroffensive, take advantage of any vulnerabilities or disarray within that Russian military.
0: Okay, well, you mentioned Ukraine took a wait-and-see approach to this whole event, but the United States waited it out as well. Like, why do you think the United States has been cautious in publicly responding to this situation?
1: Yeah, so, there, I mean, there's several reasons that we could talk about as to why they were waiting. One of the One of the things that's different is the U.S. isn't actively engaged in a war with Russia, so they have the ability to wait it out. But um, officials in D.C. wanted to wait to avoid giving Russian President Vladimir Putin the opportunity to blame Western adversaries for the conflict. So stay out of it so you can't be blamed. Uh, You know, the the Biden administration and the U.S. is keenly aware that any rhetoric from American officials could be seized upon by Putin, and that would rally Russians and and consolidate his power even more. Uh, The U.S. is making it clear they had no involvement. In the conflict, everything I'm hearing from from sources is um, while some intelligence analysts believe that they knew this was going to happen at some point, there was no active involvement in in the opposed in the supposed coup. Uh, And they're also the the administration publicly is emphasizing that this is an internal matter for Russia to deal with.
0: So has President Joe Biden addressed the situation in Russia at all?
1: Yeah, he did. He, uh, he made an address uh, yesterday, well, I would say, two, either, it was either Tuesday or Wednesday on the situation in Russia. Uh, he was at a, talking during a press conference, made sure to publicly state that the United States and NATO were not involved in the conflict. Uh, he also mentioned he had a video call with allies to ensure that they all share in the goal of not giving Putin any excuse to blame the West or NATO for the uprising
0: need an excuse he just doesn't
1: and yeah we'll, we'll probably get to that a little bit later um biden and his administration so far has refrained from providing an immediate assessment of the implications of the Wagner groups but make no mistake that conversation is happening within the pentagon you know where what are the implications of this and what should the u.s. response be um towards you know those Wagner groups actions against Russia during the war in Ukraine.
0: So how do Russian officials perceive the international response to this conflict?
1: Well, okay, so there's the question that we'll get back to. um, Through all the best efforts of trying to distance themselves from what's going on in Russia, uh, Russian officials have accused Western intelligence services of potentially being involved in the rebellion.
0: Right, because we get along so well with the Wagner group.
1: Yes, that's who we want. I mean, how many times... Talk
0: about I, a leap.
1: <laughs> how many times did I say, you want to change power in Russia? This is not the guy. Rogochin's not the guy yeah. that you want changing. Now, this, the CIA has put some very terrible people in power uh, over the years. Right. I don't see that this would be the guy they'd hang their hat on. I really don't. Um, but But getting back to what... Russia is saying, so they're blaming Western intelligence services. Right. Um, they're currently, they've said that they're currently investigating this. It—it It is important to note that the U.S. has been in contact with their Russian counterparts that they can still call. And they're emphasizing that they view the situation as a domestic affair. Their hands are, they're going to wipe their hands clean of it. And this is for Russia to deal with. The U.S. considers themselves to be a bystander.
0: Okay, well, is there any concern about escalation from Russia, possibly involving those lovely nuclear weapons that are in Belarus?
1: Right, so now we're going to get into the, like, meat and potatoes of the conversation.
0: Okay. I want meat and potatoes.
1: Yeah, I can't wait for some meat and potatoes.
0: Yeah, (laughs) we're having meat and potatoes for dinner (laughs) tonight, (laughs) y'all.
1: Don't record when you haven't eaten.
0: Yeah. You know what? I don't know if I have.
1: Recorded before you've eaten?
0: No, I don't know if I've eaten. Oh, I mean, I've eaten some yeah. stuff. I've grazed. I've done my my <laughs> my infamous grazing technique, which is terrible. But I just
1: well, you know, you're going to get the questions from your husband, so get ready for that.
0: Okay, I don't care about that guy.
1: Okay. <laughs> so um, now, like I said, we're getting get getting into this. Um, there's always a concern about escalation when we discuss. Putin, right? That's just one of the guys, like a Kim Jong-un, that's like, you got to talk about him, we're going to talk about escalation. This is particularly given recent references made by Putin to Russia's nuclear weapons arsenal. But officials in the U.S. and NATO have consistently emphasized the importance of not allowing the war in Ukraine to escalate that far. Uh, they believe that it's not in the interest of Ukraine, European allies, or even the Russian people for the conflict to escalate beyond the current level of violence we see today
0: it's not in the best interest of the russian people for any conflict at all to be occurring or the you... Ukrainian people i don't it's like what a weird thing to say anyways so does this event and Prigozhin's move to belarus change the probability of putin using nuclear weapons in ukraine or like what is what's happening
1: yes yeah, so that's i mean i guess that that would be the real question on everybody's mind uh, and it's on your mind too. I can say at this point, I haven't increased my probability. And I have been, in talking to people, I have been told my probability is pretty high. I might have it at 50-50. And for me, this doesn't increase it. Uh, what we do have is a very interesting turn of events. Um, so a lot of talk from experts is about how Progochin was banished to Belarus. And I do think that that's an improper terminology. I don't think he was banished. Uh, my assessment is that he, that Progochin, with the help of Putin, could be positioning himself to overthrow the government in Belarus. And that would be if Lukashenko finds himself on the outs with Putin and the Russian government. Now, we all know, we talked about it, tactical nuclear weapons officially arrived in Belarus this month, in the month of June. But if Putin gives the call, Lukashenko is going to need to sign off on its usage, right? So if he says no... No response from Lukashenko means Progochin steps in. So does it change my assessment on tactical nuclear weapon usage? No, not necessarily. It changes my assessment of the multiple avenues that Putin can now go through in order to call for a strike on Ukraine from Belarus. Now he's got multiple people that he can force to do that. Um, I also still don't see the timeline moving up. You know, so, some people would ask, do you think he'll do it before the elections in 2024 uh, that would that would be a gross miscalculation from putin now it's also a miscalculation in my opinion that they carried out a full-on invasion of ukraine uh but that was already one miscalculation i don't see him making quite that drastic of another miscalculation but anything the word miscalculation i'll use it again before we uh right right at the end
0: oh my gosh
1: but what i was saying is
0: sentence just had that word like five times
1: yeah. that's what you that's what happens when you have calculation on the brain
0: or miscalculation
1: right which i miscalculated by saying that so but, i'm not married to you <laughs> well, what i was trying to get at is anything is possible right anything's possible i don't see it as probable right now
0: okay well then let's just talk about putin and where he stands as the leader of russia Did this event change his hold on power within Russia or do you think he's still as untouchable as the president of Russia?
1: Yeah, I mean, Putin continues to be the number one man in Russia, even with this armed mutiny. um, First of all, because now Prigozhin says it was just a protest or a prank. Right. I like to call it a prank. So I see that Putin still remains strong as a leader, as the leader in Russia. I will say, if he if he wanted Prigozhin dead, he'd be dead right now.
0: It's got this weird... Like, there's this weird feeling that this whole thing is just plotted. Yeah. To make it's... it seem like Putin's weaker than he actually is. But really, he was just trying to install Prigozhin into Belarus because when we, whenever we noticed they were starting to align themselves, Belarus and Russia. You called it from the get-go, and you said, you know, obviously he was going to align himself with leaders that he perceives... Almost to be, um, I don't know if this is the correct choice of words, but weaker than him, so that mm-hmm. he can strong arm them into doing what he wants. And then it seems like Prokoshin being in Belarus is more like an insurance policy, yeah, for him to keep Lukashenko in line.
1: Yes, uh, that is
0: feels like that's that's the vibe I'm getting from it. But but you know that's just me speculating.
1: Speculating. That's totally my analysis of of what went on. And I'm oh, okay. still trying to unpack a lot There's no of proof. everything. So this is, no. you know,
0: us just saying things, just right. making assumptions. Okay.
1: Exactly. No proof, opinions, analysis. We're saying
0: that, Yeah, we're saying that to our listeners, too, because we know sometimes our opinions overlap with the actual analysis. And this is just us speculating. We don't have any proof of it. I'm just...
1: And this is how the mouse. <laughs> this is how intelligence analysis works honestly you have a bunch of information you talk through with with a couple of people that you uh, that you trust and you respect and um and you get conclusions from that and we came up with some conflu- con- confusion and conclusions over the weekend um but yeah this was my main assessment of the situation Be- okay there's to- there's tons of reasons behind it uh Belarus's proximity to Poland. Belarus has the nuclear tactical nuclear weapons. Um Belarus is the perfect spot to distract everybody in Ukraine from the Russian forces and move into Kiev, which is pew, pew. oh my goodness. I'm a little tired. Pew uh, pew everybody. <laughs>
0: you do uh, sound exhausted today.
1: Yeah, it's been quite a week. Um but Putin wants Kiev. He wants Ukraine back under completely under Russia, and that starts with Kiev. Um, so, what I so here's how I feel about it. Putin views Prigozhin and the Wagner forces as a necessary evil in in all of these conflicts that Russia has inserted themselves into. Okay. Uh, you, if if we want to do the rundown, we've got Africa, Syria, Ukraine. They're all Wagner forces are in all of those places. Now, they head to Belarus to re-engage with Ukraine and they could possibly be used, like I was talking about in Poland, as an early assault into Poland. This is because um, there's this there, there's a base in Belarus that is getting established. And once that's fully established, they could hold more forces and send it through Poland. So while a lot of the talk around this mutiny is about how it hurt Putin, I'm viewing so the the actual swiftness with which it was stopped through uh, let's put up quotes again quote unquote negotiations right with Progochin um that mm,
0: is so fast
1: yeah that's how why I say it solidified Putin's leadership within Russia
0: mm-hmm.
1: you don't start this and then in 24 hours say yeah I'm gonna go to Belarus unless yeah,
0: I'm serious
1: right just a Josh um because of how they were moving through Moscow yeah they into Moscow I should say not through Moscow. But they got dangerously close to Moscow before Prigochin agreed to move to Belarus. Um, in, all, in saying all this, listen, I know I'm in the minority in this. A lot of people are saying that Putin's done. He's not going to be president anymore. But he needed a, a big win before the 2024 election. And while a lot of people are looking at this as a loss, this may have handed him that big win with the Russian people. Because we got to focus away from how we feel about right. Putin.
0: Yeah, and we don't know how they're framing it there.
1: Exactly. Well, yeah, you you know, you can go through the Russian media and see how they're talking about it, but you, until you talk to the people on the ground, you just don't know how they're feeling. Um, exactly. So, yeah, so this I consider this a big win because it's all in how Putin frames the narrative. Now he can claim that he defeated an armed insurrection from within Russia.
0: About after about twenty four hours, so
1: yeah, quick, yes, boom. But
0: you mentioned you also mentioned uh, quote base in Belarus. What's going on with that?
1: Uh, and that's okay. This this is why I love to have you on here all the time because I just start going off as if everyone's caught up on these world events and no one has that kind of bandwidth. Nobody, not even me. And I miss so many things. Um, so to have you come back and just. Let me refocus to let everybody know.
0: Answer the question, Mr. O'Quinn.
1: Okay, so a little background <laughs> on that. Um, there This week, some new satellite images surfaced that suggested that the Wagner Group is constructing a new base in Belarus. That base is about 90 kilometers from Minsk. Um, the president of Belarus, Alexander Lukashenko, did admit that he granted permission for Wagner forces to operate in the country and set up that base. Uh, I can also say that Putin did give members of the group three options. They can either move to Belarus, which is what the majority are doing to go to that base. They can join the Russian military. Some are doing that to keep fighting in Ukraine. Or they can return home. That's not really a choice because they're going to be killed if they go home. Right. You really got two choices. And if (laughs) you go to the Russian military, you still may be killed. Yeah. Um, Now, the implications of this new base in Belarus that I think could hold up to uh, 70,000 people. I think it starts at 25,000, and when it's completely full, it'll be about 70,000 Wagner Group forces. It's a very significant implication in the conflict in Ukraine. And if it escalates any further... Then we're talking about those fears of nuclear weapon use.
0: So let's shift this conversation to Russia's allies. How are China and its leadership reacting to this really <laughs> surreal situation in Russia?
1: Yeah, and it's been a bit disconcerting for the to the Chinese leadership. China values their partnership with Russia. Uh, it sees them as a close major partner, particularly in disputes with the United States and the West, um, but in... <laughs> In the conflict in Russia, this, this one that happened with the Wagner forces, along with those international sanctions that have been imposed on Russia, all that's putting a strain on their resources, on the Chinese resources and the Russian resources. Um, China is likely considering its next steps right now and the impact on their relationship with Russia. They support Putin in the war in Ukraine, but that support has exposed them to potential risks. Uh, this chaos in Russia could significantly disrupt their trade relations. That's a, a, The economy is a big part of this. Now, withdrawing support from the alliance, from that alliance with China and Russia, would also mean risking losing too much for China. Uh, so despite those concerns about the situation in Russia, China is publicly downplaying the crisis. So that's to answer your question on how China feels publicly. They're downplaying it. They're emphasizing the long-term strategic alliance between the two countries. Uh, China's partnership with Russia, uh, especially since Putin took over, is crucial for their global strategic ambitions, China's global strategic ambitions. And that's particularly with their confrontation towards the the West and the U.S., Chinese President Xi has invested significant political capital in his relationship with Putin. And he views Russia as his most significant partner.
0: Earlier, you said that Putin's stronghold has not been weakened at all. So let's say that this does weaken his power. And maybe it shows at the polls in the 2024 election. What then for China?
1: Okay, so if if Putin's grip on power is weakened and chaos consumes Russia, then Xi faces a very difficult choice. He could step in to stabilize the regime and support Putin. Uh, that's going to risk Western nations severing economic ties completely with China. Now, China does have some good relations with Western Europe, uh, you know, as well as some trade relations with New Zealand. That would all be gone. Uh, there are some indications that Xi may not offer unconditional support to Putin. China's also shown a reluctance in publicly providing military support to Russia, although we're seeing some open source reporting that they are privately giving those weapons to Russia. Um,
0: No, a lot like what the U.S. does. (laughs)
1: Leave it to Tiana. Yes, it is very much.
0: You got to call everybody out, you know.
1: Call a spade a spade. Yes. Um, Do we always choose the right people to...
0: No, no.
1: Yeah, there you go. Um, I'm not going to defend that, and I'm not going to argue that. This is not a debate; it's a fact. All
0: right, let's just <laughs> let's just move on then. Move on.
1: But uh, that's that's about as aggressive as it gets on this podcast. <laughs> when you agree? We agree.
0: We agree. We're on the same page.
1: Yeah. Um, well, so I said, you know, they they are not publicly stating that they're providing military support to Russia. Uh, they've also delayed finalizing a gas pipeline deal that would provide economic relief to Russia. Now, in the end, Xi is likely to prioritize what's best for Beijing. I mean, hes That's just what he's going to do.
0: Obviously. That's
1: what he wants. That's where he gets his power from. And that's going to be regardless of the events in Moscow. So if, if supporting Putin's regime poses significant risks to China, Xi is going to be hesitant to go out of his way to provide support for Putin.
0: Well, thank you for those insights on this situation. Is there anything else that you'd like to add?
1: Yeah, before we uh before we go, um the events over the weekend showed all of us that understanding geopolitical implications of a major event like this does not happen immediately. It happens, you have the con- you know, it you, you have the conversations. Those conversations lead to debates between analysts and experts. I put us in that, yes. I'm not going to shy away from that. Um, it's what we did over the weekend with people like Ricky from Rickonomics, with Chad. Uh, and it was yep. really reves- refreshing to get everyone's opinion. Everyone had a different opinion on things. And we all got to express those views and and let that guide how we view the event.
0: We beat them down because <laughs> they didn't agree with us at all.
1: With pasta.
0: Pasta. Wow. <laughs> no, we didn't oh we made chatty dumplings when yep. did not agree
1: Chad never had dim sum and he, he did
0: never had dim dump, sum. dim sum. I apologize
1: oh he's had dumb sum. I'll tell you that uh <laughs> but I what I want to say is that it's it's important to continue monitoring the situation in Russia and in Ukraine as the these events unfold don't stop following them but have the conversations the the exact implications of this uprising remain uncertain. We're almost a week into it. It's going to be crucial to assess the fallout. That fallout is going to help us decide what's going to happen in the future and the potential long-term effects on both countries, Russia and Ukraine. we got two different populations that are affected by this. And then couple that with these countries' relationships with other nations around the globe.
0: Speaking of conversations and debates, um, you were pretty outspoken when we were discussing this, both this weekend and at the beginning of this podcast, about how this could be a maneuver to position Prigozhin as the next leader of Belarus. Do you still believe this is true, or was that just an early assessment without much information to back it
1: up? So, you know, I, I, I said this to you before we started or maybe was it on the podcast that I said? I think it was because
0: I, yeah, I said you were tired and you said you because you were stumbling all over your words. And I was like, you're tired. and I wanted to support you. And you're like, two things can be true at the same time.
1: <laughs> you try to support me and I yeah. slap back and don't accept the support. And I apologize for that. What um,
0: <laughs> the heck are you talking about? Just, well, I going to be like, Tiana is done with him today. <laughs> That's
1: but... how Josh and Jacob feel all the time. You are done. Uh, but uh, I said this to you, and, and Ricky, I think, was there at the same time, that I thought Prigochin was going to take over. I thought he was getting ready to to fully take over Belarus. And I had no information to prove my theory. I was just watching things unfold. Prigochin, uh was in Belarus. Lukashenko, had, they had said, left Belarus to go somewhere else. It was just like the perfect action to then... Now do a coup in Belarus now that didn't happen but I was looking at it from an analytical standpoint as the news was coming out um if you watch the videos of him leaving Russia he's surrounded by thousands of people I don't know I don't know if you saw those videos he's in a no. so he's in a bulletproof vehicle getting ready to go to Belarus and there are thousands of people they are risking everything just to shake his hand to tell him how much they love him and thank him for everything that he does. He has a ton of support in certain pockets around Russia. We've discussed that before. We've discussed that he has political ambitions. He really does. And wouldn't it be the perfect fit for Putin to save his own presidency by installing his biggest competition into another country? And it's also someone that, say what you will, he does support Putin. He really does support Putin as the leader of Russia. And then he would be put in as the leader of Russia's de facto state that would then now be absorbed by Russia. And that's Belarus. Let's just not kid ourselves. Belarus is just an extension of Russia. If Lukashenko makes a misstep against Putin, he's going to suffer the consequences in the form of a Wagner led coup on the country of Belarus. This happens. uh, I do think that we have reached the most dangerous point in the war in Ukraine.
0: One might say he also miscalculated.
1: Oh, uh,
0: <laughs> beat me to it. Were you going to say that?
1: I was going to say it at the end.
0: While well, well, there's still time, there's still there time. Is, still time. <laughs> is there anything else that you want to discuss?
1: Uh, well, Gloria, one last thing. There were other okay. geopolitical stories that we could there have gotten were. into. Mm-hmm. Um, Sweden allowed the Quran burning again. that that's gonna affect their nato membership plans i just thought that this what happened between wagner and russia was there's so much nuance that we needed to spend this whole episode talking about
0: it it was scary for a little while
1: it it really was i mean
0: it was yeah it was kind of tense for a little bit when we didn't know what was going on
1: yeah no had zero idea we were just on phones, watching news, and, and trying to get to sources and stuff. And, eating
0: burgers.
1: Well, that's true, too. We were eating burgers. Mm-hmm. Delicious burgers. I just burgers. remember that
0: because the, re- the restaurant had a bunch of TVs up, and every single one of them had scary images flashing across the screen showing, you know, the um, not the coup. What did they decide to call it again? Uh, the protest. Mutiny.
1: Or the armed oh. mutiny.
0: Okay, well. Our right. um, mutiny protest. They were showing, you know, different images of that. It was scary.
1: Yeah. It. I mean, yes. I mean, that I mean, that was an intense time, and, and we were just walking from spot to spot trying to get more information. But I do hope everyone listening has gained something from the conversation that you and I are having. Um, but that's all I've got for this week, unless you want to talk about anything.
0: Did you finish? Yeah. Talking about everything you wanted to say? That else? was it. Well.
1: Yep. Just no, want to see but... if you want to.
0: No, I've got some New York strip steaks that I need to go cook in a cast iron. Did you do a little
1: No, uh... I said, mm. Oh, it's
0: mm. like a... <laughs> all like, okay. Feel free to just eat the mashed potatoes, buddy.
1: <laughs> well, I'm going to have meat and potatoes, please.
0: Oh, you have meat and potatoes. And I'm sorry, there's going to be a vegetable involved, too. But anyways, mm. I have nothing.
1: Like...
0: <laughs> it's Brussels sprouts. It'll be fine.
1: I know. I'm, I'm going to love it.
0: Okay. So anyways, um. Thank you to our listeners for listening to our humble little independent geopolitical podcast. We hope that you found it both informative and engaging. If you have any feedback or suggestions for future episodes, please let us know. And if you would like in-depth coverage of these stories and more, follow us on Instagram at OakwoodAnalytics.com.
1: Tiana. That was, I- our
0: re- that was our website. <laughs> Just-
1: that was our, our website. You can do oh. that too.
0: But, yeah, but we uh, we're still working on fixing that. I would go on Okcoin Analytics.
1: Yes Instagram. on on the Instagram. Um, yes. um, yeah, an update on the uh, on the website. Just a few more tweaks. Yeah. Probably got a couple more months um, to yeah. get everything perfect. Yeah. And it is going to be. We could do this at the end here. Um, it, it's going to be a complete change from what right. we started out doing. Yeah. <laughs> and we have a lot of incredible things to to show everybody
0: so cool that we can't talk about yet but yes it's cool it's cool guys believe it- me
1: <laughs> and so Tiana thank you so much uh, till next week quit miscalculating and stay yeah. safe out there